Okay, Mark. Okay, so this is episode 11 of A Piece of My Mind. Um, special edition, special recording for this day, Mother's Day, May 10th, 2020. And uh, we're talking about um, our mothers on Mother's Day. Mark Spires, as I've known for about at least 30 or 35 years, Wow. Uh, he was a uh, the host of a comedy show called Absolutely Absurd on CFMB Radio, uh, 1280 um, AM uh, radio. So long ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, both Mark and I have lost our mothers, Mark, um, just um, five years ago. 2015 and myself was um, 1994, January 5th, 1994. And uh, I remember at the time I was very young. Um, I was uh, only 34 at the time that she passed away. Um, but I mean, I had to cherish her for the years that I do, did have her. There's still a lot, a lot, a lot of memories that I can recall. And um, I feel her with me every day. Yeah, we uh, we have a connection to our mothers uh, once they pass, uh, if we want to have a connection. And I think we can feel the connection. There are they are around us if we uh, if we acknowledge their presence. Uh, you would know more about that about uh, because of the work that you do in the psychic field about uh, raising your vibrational level to actually uh, be aware. Uh, or, or to attract uh, departed spirits. Is that correct, uh, Jeffrey? Yeah. Um, me, personally, I can say that I connected her with her through dreams. And it was uh, just a few years after she passed away, even. She came to me in my dreams, as well as her, her alone, or her with my father. Very often, she did appear um, with my father in dreams. And, and when did um, your uh, when did your father pass away? He he predeceased her about sixteen months earlier in October of nineteen ninety two. Wow! So it was very close, very close. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And in fact, it was during a Jewish holiday. It was on the second day of uh, Sukkot, the Jewish holiday Sukkot that we celebrate every year. That's the festival of booths and. Uh, yeah, so it was, um, which was, I mean, it, it, you know, I say it's, that's even a blessing um, that he, he uh, passed away on uh, on a celebratory occasion on the Jewish high holidays. So, yeah. Well, still, it must have been tough for your mother, right? Yeah, yeah. It was very hard. She was not well. She had uh, chronic obstructive pulmonary disorder. And so it was... Um, very hard but she was a very strong woman like the rabbi told her um you're very brave and you're very brave um to uh, go on like she this. had a yeah, she had i never i never met your mother um unfortunately she because i think we met around that around that period of time you and i um 
Uh, you never invited me for any uh, home cooked meals, Jeffrey. I hold that issue. <laughs> uh, <laughs> at the time we were not um, like I mean we would see each other at singles uh, parties events and um, with with each other. When I was with another mutual friend of ours, uh, Harvey and Elkar, I was yeah. very close to him during that period of time. During that yeah. time, yeah. yeah. And uh, your your. Um, Your mother was born when? What year? Yeah, on September 13th, 1919. Yeah, and my mother was born uh, June the 1st, 1925. Although my mother, I was very quirky. She said that uh, they got the date wrong on her birth certificate. It's really uh, 1928. So I don't know what to believe. I, I celebrate her birthday on the uh, on June the first, anyway, regardless of whatever year she wants to be born in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I give her I give her the option of being a younger person. My mother was a very uh, youthful type of person. Um, she passed away uh, in, uh, of course, when she was ninety, but. You know, I would ask her, uh, let's say, in her 70s and 80s, I said, why don't you join the Golden Age Association? And I think the Golden Age Association was, uh, to qualify at that time, you had to be 55 and over. And she kept saying to me, they're too old for me, Mark. They're too old for me. I'm not Mm. that old. (laughs) So, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) My mother was a very youthful spirit. Uh, she never liked to acknowledge her age. She lived in her own apartment up until the the day that she passed away. I mean, at that point, she was in um, she was in palliative care, uh, but we'll get into that later on. But the fact is that she wanted to do everything by herself, and she was a divorced lady. We, uh, my father and my mother, divorced or separated when I was three years old, and my father died when I was sixteen. So uh, she essentially brought me up, and I'm the only child. She essentially brought me up. Uh, yeah. She was my only parent, and she had a strength of character which was unbelievable. It was uh, a strong, protective uh, sense of character where I was her little baby, and I was her little baby up until the moment she passed away. She treated me like I was like a a ten or twelve year old. So I mean. Uh, I never grew up with my mother in her eyes, and yeah. uh, you know she was she was she was a strong person that there was very protective about me. How about your mother? Same thing. I think in most mothers, this is a very common thing with a lot with many many mothers. Almost most mothers or almost all mothers that you can't you can never always be a baby. In, in their eyes, they never be. You know, how old you you get, or you're grown up, always always see you as as if they see you as their son or your, or their daughter. Always be like very very young um, in their eyes. And uh, she, she was there for me in moments where I was uh, I needed a mother. I needed a lot of support, a lot of emotional support. And uh, she was. Um, she was there for me. It, 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 no matter how, I was never too old for for her uh, nurturing, for pampering, for her protection. Um, e- even uh, near the end, when I was 
when I was in my early 30s, I was um, uh, near the end. When I, at the time, when I was uh, 34, she was she was protective of me. She she would get like scared if I told her I was I wanted to do things that she perceived that there was any um, danger involved, any risk, and it was. So it was kind of difficult in a way because she didn't want to hear about going, uh, like driving up north and, and going canoeing and going on camping trips, doing things, doing adventurous things. Although I did it when I was a little kid as a camper, but she didn't want to anything. She she was frail in the respect that she um, didn't um, want me to do anything that had any risks um, involved. So. <laughs> Yeah, my my mother, um, you know, I broke my leg uh, when I was 14 years old, and I was skiing with my high school uh, on a high school trip up north of Montreal, one of the ski hills, and uh, I broke my leg trying to negotiate some moguls as I was heading for uh, <laughs> a bunch of trees. So I flipped myself in the air, and I broke my leg. Now my mother was a little bit psychic. And she said she told me that she knew something was wrong the moment I broke my leg up north. She felt it. She had that yeah. psychic connection yeah. with me, you know. Yeah. And uh, it's it's a she was a psychic person in many many ways. Uh, I I put her through a lot because I uh, I was uh, I traveled a lot on my own. I went to Israel uh, a few. Times I studied at Tel Aviv University for one year during the Yom Kippur War. I met my ex there, and uh, I, you know, nothing went smoothly for me. She knew I had a hard life because she, at the end, she acknowledged in one of her uh, messages to me before she went into palliative care. She said, "For the first time ever, I know you've had a hard life." Uh, but my mother was a person that uh, never talked. She she said, "I can't talk." I have. I keep everything inside. She found it very hard to express herself. The only thing that she really knew how to do in terms of her relationship with me was to protect me and to be strong, protecting me. You know, yeah. Yeah. and it probably was even. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. I remember her from what I remember her from the couple of times I met her. Uh, as much as I knew her, which wasn't very, very well, but still, I met her. I knew her, and um, um, in going back even to um, 2011, one time was when the last time I saw her alive, uh, when I got together with you and you were with her for for this uh, event in the in a park, and it was a klezmer festival. Oh yeah, and she she confided in me that she was worried about you. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm worried about. I'm worried about. Mark. I'm worried about Mark. He's, yeah. And um, she was concerned for your um, well-being, for your you know, your emotional well-being. She was very concerned. Um, well, she yeah. had she had a she had a right to be concerned because uh, I went yeah. through uh, emotional hell. Uh, you know, on various uh, things with involving my ex and other things. So, you yeah. know, uh, she had a uh, she had a tough job. Um, she was uh, basically abandoned by her family, although she kept in contact with her her two brothers. One of which passed away in 1974 when I was in Israel, and the other one that passed away in 2009. 
but she kept up to date with uh, you know their, their her nephews and the, the nieces and their kids and she went to bar mitzvahs and she went to weddings so yeah, she yeah. she was she was in the loop but the, basically we were considered the black sheep of the family I had yeah. very little to do with my uncles as I was growing up. Yeah. Very yeah. even less to do with the larger family because, yeah. you know, it was as uh, we had lived in Saint Agathe for six years, which was the best years uh, growing up as a child in, in, in that area north of Montreal was wonderful. And uh, we came back to take care of my grandfather, my beloved grandfather, who lived with us, and he passed away in '63, '64. And then uh, we were left on our own, basically. But she, uh, she was a very strong individual. She, uh, I don't know if I could do the same, the same thing that she did. Her, stre her strength was unbelievable. She was given a task to bring me up by herself without anybody helping in any yeah. way as an only child, which I find I still have issues with that, uh, with the larger family to this very day, but that's another thing. But in terms of her strength, it, it was uh, it was a woman alone to bring up, and and yeah. uh, she, she, she was a, uh, actually she had been an artist. She was, before I was born, she was, she went to the Cal de Beaux-Arts, a fine arts institution in Montreal, and she was a dress designer, and she was a children's menu designer. She had she had done a menu for uh, Ruby Foo's children's menu, mm -hmm. and Miss yeah. Montreal, mm -hmm. and things like that, which I have a copies of. And mm -hmm. uh, but she gave up mm -hmm. that career to to basically bring me up. Yeah, yeah. By herself, and and the strength of of character that oh, yeah. she had, it, it it was it's 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 mind blowing. Yeah, yeah. My mother too also had a lot of strength, and except main difference, major difference, big difference being that she brought me up with my father all those years. Right. And um, my father got very ill um, at the time. They were both got sick together, and I, I had to um, sort of like take care of the both of them together, and it was a very mm -hmm. stressful time. But she had the support of my father and she she was dependent pretty much she was pretty much like financially and emotionally dependent on my father although my father made sure she was well taken care of and she had her own independent means of financial support and um so he, he saw to it to that he was an excellent provider and um so she also in respect that during the time when my father was alive, they kept in touch with aunts and uncles and cousins and like the extended part of the family. And even after, especially after my father passed away and she was alone, we had, she kept in touch. And uh, I had cousins who kept in touch with her too, who, who really, they, they, she was very well respected by my father's sisters, her sister-in-laws, and they kept in touch during that time, they kept very close, and even with my cousins, kept very close to her. Um, well, that's that's that rare. That that's rare yeah. to have a a family that uh, keeps in contact with each other because uh, you know these days or for the last thirty years, it's like a nuclear family, and 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 the rest of the family doesn't keep in touch. So, you had a very uh, special relationship with your greater family. 
that was like old school. That was like in our our parents' generation, they did that. In today's current generation, it you don't find that because like my the children of my brother and sister, and uh, don't I I hardly all these years hardly ever kept in touch with them, and they don't. It, there's no connection. There's no family connection there. Even hardly at all. Even when when I make efforts to connect, and there's no there's no response back. It's just no. I'm I'm cut off. I'm completely cut off. It's like I don't. You're, you know, you're you're not the only one I've heard this from. It's the very common thing these days. Yeah. In family. Yeah. yeah. There's But no you think if your uh, if you, you think if your mother was alive in the last 25 years. She would have pulled the family together. Oh, for sure, definitely. That's the type of woman she was. She was a very mm -hmm. family-oriented person. She was a pillar in the family. My father, especially, he was the eldest of on his side of the family. He was the eldest of eight children. He had seven sisters. Wow! Wow! So wow! He was. He was. He was the head of the family. He was the big brother. He was like head of the of the family. He was like he was like Godfather. He was like a Jewish family <laughs> Godfather taking care of his family. And he really yeah. did. He honestly, he yeah. really he took sisters. He took there one of my one of my aunts' husband needed a job. He gave him a job. He gave him a job in the company. He worked for my father. Um, You know, uh, nephews. They needed a job. Worked for my father. You don't find that today. You don't find that at all today. Yeah, it was like yeah. excellent, very rare. Excellent. Took care of them like unbelievable. So he was like the Jewish uh, godfather to your to to his family. Yeah. And if somebody ran afoul of him, he would say, "No chicken soup for you." <laughs> Nobody would. I'm telling you, they loved him. They admired him. They. On a pedestal, even his sisters, like even put him off the pedestal. He was like the prince growing up with, with seven sisters. He was like the prince of a family where they were very poor, that they only had one bottle of what they called pop, you know, like the soda, like the like yeah, Coke yeah. or ginger ale. Yeah, yeah. Ginger ale. My my, my grandmother used to call wasser. Pass the wasser, please. It was wasser, <laughs> wasser. Pass the wasser, please. It wasn't ginger. It was wasser. So and and that's all they had to share amongst eight children, two parents one and eight children. One pop bottle. One pop bottle for yeah, eight like children. One, one bottle of soda. One bottle of what they call the pop. That are we, are we talking? Are we talking here like a two liter, or are we talking like a smaller? Like a big a bottle. Like I'm like I mean a like a big bottle of like a liter. Let's say like a liter or two liter. But I don't know. I don't know if they even had two beers of of of, uh, of soda in those days. So like like but like a big bottle of uh, of soda amongst um, all of the all the children of the whole family. Wow! 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 <laughs> tell me, tell me, was your was your mother a good cook? Yeah, yeah, great cook. My mother. Everybody loved the cooking. There was no none of my aunts. There was no woman that I knew. None of my aunts could cook. Cook like her. What did she? What did she cook? What was her specialties? Um, 
like her her chicken, her orange. She had this orange chicken. Oh. She would take she would roast, oh. make a roast chicken. Oh God, yes. Yeah. Roast on the chicken and and then put it in the oven and and roast it like that. My mouth is watering. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah, amazing. Oh man, amazing. and with, with, like roast roast potatoes and the yeah, whole deal like the, that. Carrots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the potatoes. Uh, in the pan with the potatoes. Oh man, I love that. My mother, my mother, my mother did the same, but not with the orange. Uh, that's something. Yeah. That's like a. That's like almost like a Chinese type of uh, chicken. With orange juice. Orange. She's orange an amazing juice. cook. Amazing. Wow. She used to <laughs> cakes. She used. She used to bake cookies, cakes, and uh. pies. She make a, a like a lemon meringue pie that was unbelievable, uh, uh, like a, like a Boston cream pie, um, unbelievable. I, I'm now uh, I'm doubly mad at you for not inviting <laughs> me over your mother's place. Oh, man, that sounds great. <laughs> My mother, we lived in Saint Agathe from the when I was three to the age of nine. And my mother, uh, even to this day, because I reconnected with uh, old old friends from uh, from my uh, elementary school days in Saint Agathe, through Facebook. Fifty years later, they found me out or whatever, and we reconnected. And and my mother used to make on my birthdays. Uh, this is like craziness. A chocolate cake, okay, with like fudge icing, and yeah. she used to put in pennies wrapped in wax paper inside the cake yeah yeah and yeah. so you know my friends my little elementary school friends to this very day make reference to that on facebook i remember eating your mother's cake with those with those pennies inside and oh, yeah. the wonder yeah. was that nobody cracked their tooth <laughs> on yeah, the penny, yeah, they were eating yeah, the cake. You know? Yeah, and my mother yeah. would also make muffins, these these chocolate muffins, and yeah. she had the window open, and and the and, and the smell of the chocolate muffins would wave through the air. And yeah, yeah. Some, I had some of my elementary yeah, school yeah. friends living nearby. They would smell that, and they would come over, and my mother would yeah. give them muffins. Yeah. You know? yeah. And she she said that she used to make the most wonderful matzo ball chicken soup with with, with noodles. We call it luxury yeah. noodles. Matzo and, ball. Oh my God! She would uh, she would make these big fluffy yes. matzo balls. Put in mine yeah. noodle yeah. soup. It was uh, like like every they would like my my relatives would come over for the holidays and it's like those. They'd be like dying for those matzo balls, you know. <laughs> I don't like the hard ones. I don't like the, the little ones. No, I like the, the bigger ones, like our moms used to make. The big, soft, fluffy yeah. matzo yeah. balls. Now, where are you going to find that today? Where are you going to find that today? You can't find it. Actually, I, I, I do find them. I do no. find them, but but they're not as big as my mother's. No, not that big. She used to make, used to make of like. They were bigger than tennis balls. It was almost yeah, the same. Yeah, softballs. You know, 
did your mother and my mother went to the same culinary school of cooking matzo balls? I mean, it yeah, sounds like yeah. we had the same matzo balls. We grew up yeah. on the same matzo ball soup. This yeah. was you see, because, yeah. like, this was the generation. This was the the, the, uh, the generation. She just growing up. She learned how to cook that way, and um, you know, raised by her her sister, older sister, and uh, like. I heard my my father's mother, my grand my grandmother Bobby, was an amazing cook too. So she must have gotten some some uh, some of that must have rubbed off on my mother as well. It was like yeah. my uh, my grandmother died when I was three years old. I have a picture of her standing next to me in, in when I was a kid in the in the carriage. I don't remember her that well or hardly at all, by the way. Yeah. Um, but she claims my mother used to make salmon patties, you know, with onions and and mashed potatoes and peas. Ugh. And she would make this this chicken roast chicken, and she would make this matzo soup in the big big pot, and she would freeze the the left. I called it liquid gold, and I used to love her liver and onions and all that stuff. She said that her mother, my grandmother, cooked way better than she ever did so but i loved my mother's cooking so when um, when after i was um married for a very short time and uh, then it broke up uh, my mother had uh, basically uh, we had distanced myself from her for a period of about 15 years and uh then she started, um, you know, cooking for me. Uh, she started. Yeah. I was a skinny guy, actually. I don't know if you, re- I don't know if you remember me, Jeffrey, but I was, uh, I was an okay, and then I got skinny, very skinny. She got scared, and she started cooking again for me. And she yeah. would make these meals, uh, yeah. inviting me over like three times a, a week to her place. I lived yeah. very close by. So yeah. it was a very simple yeah. walk, and, she, and I got fat again. Yeah. I got fat again to the point yeah. where I said, "Ma, <laughs> don't give yeah. the portions that you want to give me on, yeah. on, on my plate. Uh, yeah. I'll take my own portions off to fulfill the tables, right? And yeah. if I can't eat a certain amount, I'll take the rest home with me because yeah. I can't eat everything you're piling up on my plate." Yeah. You have the same type of thing with your mother. She would pile things on your plate. You'd have um, to clean up the plate and whatever. No, I, um, I just, um, you know, took. She would just, you know, the food would go on the table, and we just um, fill up a plate, took as much as uh, I want to, you know. But when I was a little, mind you, when I was a little baby, she had to. When I was, she had to fill up my plate, pile up my plate, because I would never ask for for more food. I would, I would never ask for seconds. So you as never a baby, asked for seconds. Wow. No, she'd fill yeah. just. I'd have to just one time fill up, pile up the food on my plate, eat it, and fill up my plate. And I was, uh, as a baby, I, I put on a lot of weight. I was a fat baby. I was very. I couldn't. My mother. I was too heavy for my mother to lift. I was a fat baby, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was. I was overweight uh, when I was. 
you know, I was pudgy uh, when I was young. Even when I was 10, I was overweight. I didn't, you know, I didn't really start thinning down till I was 11. And uh, yeah, but I was- So you started, you started eating less. So then I, I was just, because I was, I, you know, I didn't eat as much, but I was more active. My, my metabolism was faster. I was like more, yeah. uh, more active. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't, I didn't put on that much weight. Until, until my third. But by the way, how are you doing during how are you doing during this quarantine? Are you putting on weight? I put on weight, <laughs> and uh, I I put on more weight, more weight. And my, my partner Judy is watching me, and she yelled at me. You know, you're going to be 300 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no. You know, are, you, are you? Are you? Are you? Are you I Are you ordering to, to control what I eat, what yeah. like for like breakfast, lunch, dinner, and things. This, this, this. No, this, no, this. And watch myself. I was going up and down in my weight, but then, like recently, I lost three pounds. I lost about three to four, three to four pounds. So it's. It's going down. Well, are you are you are you uh, ordering in, or is Judy cooking? Are you doing both, or what? No, she cooks. She cooks. No. We don't order and never order. Oh, you never she, really she makes uh, she has yeah. made frozen lentil soup and uh, yeah. uh, by the way make... thanks for inviting me to uh, when Judy cooks again you're not inviting me thank you very much <laughs> I, the guilt trip I'm laying on the guilt trip folks yeah, yeah. the guilt trip maybe I'll get a meal out of this who the hell knows yeah, uh, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know uh, but what was your mother uh like was she working before she met your father yeah in fact she met, she, my, she met my father yeah. uh, working in the same store okay and it, it's a very interesting story it's a very nice interesting story because um both my mother and my father worked for steinberg's supermarket oh yeah, steinberg's, oh, yeah. Sure. They, when they had the supermarkets everywhere and yeah. um, my mother was cashier. She was head uh -huh. cashier at the time she met my father. My father was like a manager in one of the departments, like a, like a food manager or something like that. Uh -huh. And um, uh -huh. so they actually met and started going out. So the management separated the two of them. My management transferred my father to a different store. Those dogs are dating because you know, they saw they were dating, transferred him to a different store. Wow. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, and, uh, so two years after uh, they met and started dating, they uh, got married. And then, uh, how long after they were married, did they have their first child? Um, she couldn't have children right away. The first, my, my eldest brother was adopted. Uh-huh. And, seven years later in 1949 okay he was, he was adopted because she wasn't able for one reason or another i don't know she wasn't able to have children so they adopted it was common in those days to adopt and you could adopt a jewish child even in those days so um, mm -hmm. she uh, adopted him from a jewish family in 1949 and it wasn't until um like uh around 19 
55, I think, because, uh, yeah, it wasn't until 1955, because my, my, uh, my other brother was, was born November 1955, that she was able to have her first child, so, yeah. That's amazing. And you were born when, what year? 1959, yeah. That's amazing yeah. that something happened. Something happened that made her able to conceive. So then she was somehow, I don't know, like, you know, who knows? I don't know how these things work really, can't understand. But she was able to, so things changed that she was able to uh, give birth to a child. So she gave birth to maybe, me. Maybe, uh, maybe there were fertility drugs uh, back in those days too. Um, mind you, yeah, well, in 1961, my sister was born, when she conceived my sister, they prescribed thalidomide. The doctor prescribed thalidomide, which um, for many children at the time, babies at the time, it caused birth defects. And my, my sister was born with some minor birth defects, you know, but she was a lot better off than a lot of children like that. Wow, wow, wow. So they were told there was a class action suit against the government and they got there was a settlement and and that's it. So my sister the money was held in trust until she was twenty one and then she was able to benefit from from the money that was uh, held in trust. So um yeah, yeah, nineteen sixty two and uh you know, at the time my mother, when she, she mother was um, uh, like uh, four, like four, more than forty. She was forty-two at the time. She was actually, so she, she would be like forty-two at the actual the time that she actually conceived my uh, sister. That's amazing. That's really amazing. But you know, we were discussing this before the podcast regarding the fact that. Uh, our mothers were basically uh, in their, let's say, uh, let's say by the time the Beatles came around, uh, they would have been in their 40s, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, yeah. and, and we remember, I mean, in our 40s, what we were listening to, and, and th- but our mothers didn't listen to the Beatles. I mean, that, that wasn't their generation. They, no. they didn't listen to the Rolling Stones. No. No, no, no. They, they listen to, to Tommy Dorsey and yeah, they listen yeah. to Frank Sinatra. The, the 40s, big band music. That was their, that was their yeah. yeah, Tony Bennett, you know, mm. Perry Como, all yeah. these guys. So, you know, I remember when I was uh, listening to the PBS specials and they would do a folk, you know, they would do big bands and folk music and they did, you know, a doo-wop groups and all this stuff. But when the folk era happened like peter paul and mary was the late 50s early 60s my mother might have been or let's see 30 38 37 at the time i said mom did you you remember these great songs like blowing in the wind you know and all these other songs she says no not really i said what do you mean you you were only i'm older than you are now you know what i mean i mean i was i'm older talk yeah, watching yeah. the PBS, I was in my 50, 60s when I was with her, or 70, I was in my 50s when I was watching the PBS specials with her, and uh, I said, uh, 
You don't remember this stuff? No, it wasn't my type of music. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah same, same thing with your mother, right? Yeah, it was like for the front of my parents. It was like Frank Sinatra, Perry Como. Uh, um, what's his name? Uh, um, Valley. What's his name? Rudy. Uh, uh, I was going to say Rudy Valley. That's way too old. Frankie Valley. Frankie Valley, yeah. Frankie Valley, yeah, 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 yeah. Lawrence Welk. Rudy Valley was in the twenties or thirties. The favorite show on TV on Sunday nights yeah. was to watch the Lawrence Welk show. I mean, oh, I couldn't, I it, couldn't stand that. Oh. I hated it. I hated it with the oh. Jewish dancers, you know, tiny bubbles and, you know, oh. Oh my God. and a one and a two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't take it. I couldn't take it. Dude, you know, like the June Taylor dances. I mean, like, I, I mean, you know, I, I they weren't bad. Less about honestly, I couldn't care less about the June Taylor dances. No, they weren't bad. The June Taylor dancers weren't bad, but I mean, the whole show, it was like. <laughs> but that wasn't one of my fa- my mother's favorite shows. She loved up up until her dying day. She loved watching The Price Is Right. Mm, mm. That was her. That was she loved watching oh, yeah. games. Oh, oh yeah, sure, yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, my parents. You know, always, my parents were glued to the TV with that. Yeah, yeah. They loved it. Our parents, I, up until they're dying, they love these game shows. They love yeah, it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But Bob, and Bob they still do. Bob, I mean, I, I'm a, I go around people in their generation. Is Bob Barker? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, yeah. but even past Bob Barker. Oh yeah, yeah. Even up to the current one who's doing it, but you know, it's like. If I'm around my 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 uh, friends, you know, Daddy and his whatever and his mother and other people, I mean, they still watch these shows. Yeah, yeah. they love it. They love these yeah. shows, you know. Yeah, I and, don't know. And, after and, Bob Barker, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I started losing interest after Bob Barker stopped doing the show with someone else. Well, of course, I, I, I of course, it was Drew Carey. Yeah, yeah, it was not the same. It's just not the same. No, no, no. It's not the same kind of show. No, I used to, I used to during lunch breaks, I believe, when I went to, uh, was it high school, early high school, or elementary school? I don't know. We knew. I got home early, or was it during lunch? I have no idea. I used to watch yeah, Concentration, yeah. Concentration, oh, yeah. Yeah. back in the sixties, Concentration. Oh, uh, yeah. But you know, yeah. our parents love 70s, loved, 60s, loved 70s, 70s, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, they, oh, yeah, they love these shows. And uh, so, my mother never was uh, into the Beatles or the Rolling Stones, God forbid, and she would always. Uh, my mother was a very uh, happy person, she was a uh, she always looked on the bright side of things. I mean, Bad she didn't want to know about war. She didn't want to know about people's problems. Although people used to call her her friend and they tell her their problems, and she used to say to me after, "Oh yeah, I gotta listen." A, a sort of uh, a, a, you know a very listening, compassionate person. She would, she would never. First of all, she would never talk. She was undergoing with to me. I mean, I was always kept in the dark because she was protecting. Me. She didn't want me to know what was going on here. Yeah, uh, in yeah. any medical issues or anything. Yeah. Uh, I'm still trying to uncover uh, passed away from lymphoma. She had lymphoma. 
and uh, it started off with a big lump on her back and she didn't have a biopsy for like uh, four or five months and I was doing this. Anyways, by the time she checked in in January of 2015, uh, they notified she had a biopsy and uh, it was lymphoma and uh, it had traveled to her lungs and it was just a matter of time, you know. And she passed away a few months later. But I'm still, uh, she never told me anything. She said, Mark, I know what I'm doing up until she landed up in the uh, for um, chemo. Uh, I, know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. So she would never, and I'm right now uncovering her medical care. But that's another story for another time. But I am just finding out all these secrets that she kept inside of herself. She never revealed anything of herself to me. She never yeah. talked about... Uh, uh, only only uh, toward the end, uh, not while she was in the hospital, but while she was maybe a year before she got sick or two years before she got sick, she revealed a little bit of family history. I mean, I grew up in the dark uh, regarding the background of my father and how her relationship with uh, her and my uncle's relationship with my mother, her brother, and things like I grew yeah. up in the dark, but I... After she passed away, I found little notes in the house and things that were signed on back of photos, even prior to her marriage yeah. and, uh, and things. And then in the early stages of her marriage, she would write things that I was completely unaware of. And I sort of pieced together, uh, like a detective, like a Sherlock Holmes, I sort of pieced together the lost history of uh, of what was going on in, in, with her and uh, with the family and, and why people acted a certain way and whatever they, they you know, I, I felt or didn't feel or whatever. I sort of, uh, I've, I've sort of in, pieced it together piece by piece to understand why things happened the way they did because nobody talked to me ever. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way she wanted to bring me up, sort of innocent yeah. and unaffected by any family problems. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But my mother confided in me a lot when I got older, many years. Um, when I got, when I got older, even, even like, well, I mean, the first time I saw my mother cry, which I'll never forget for as long as I live. When I was, I was only maybe three years old, and she, when she lost her eldest sister, she came from a very large family with many sisters and brothers. She lost her eldest eldest sister, Fanny, and so there I am, a little kid, a baby. And she's sitting in the chair crying. And I said, "Ma, Ma, why are you crying?" And she's crying and says, "Fanny died. Fanny died. I lost. I lost my sister, Fanny." And um, yeah, I'll never forget it. Just sticks out my memory. Because she wouldn't, she wouldn't show that much emotion, right? Because she she couldn't hide her emotions. She couldn't hide. Oh, her you mean she, she was very? Oh, she was very she, emotional. She wasn't able to hold back and hide her emotions. At times, even cry when she was like when she. Like got into like a fight, had a thing with my father, and got into a fight with my father, and he would, and when he was um, very overly critical of her, she would, it was, it touched her. She was very sensitive. She would cry. So did you did you find that you were able to comfort her? 
Um, no, 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 eh? no, I couldn't. No. I mean, I, I mean, I was a little baby, nothing to do, but even, oh, I see. But I mean, later on in life, even later on, when I was older, even when when I was in my 20s, and, yeah. and she, just, you know, she would cry. These things that happened, I was I wasn't able to, uh, no, nothing I can do. Even I think, I think they, a lot, for, for a lot of uh, cases, I don't know if this is just between sons and mothers. But I think in a lot of cases, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, maybe a daughter can do it with a mother better than a son can do it with a mother, in terms of yeah. being a mother or having confidence. Yeah. For some reason, yeah. they don't seem we yeah. don't seem to be the ones that the mothers turn to. Uh, the gap is too maybe too large in their minds. It's hard. It was hard for us to emotionally connect on that level yeah. and with the drink time i was going through my own uh, my own thing my own uh, yeah. emotional yeah uh, when so it really wasn't easy you know you know this uh, is before all this psychotherapy and 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 being sort of uh uh you know let's say bringing down the barriers and being very authentic with one another this is these are the days when we were brought up when uh, parents basically didn't show their inner feelings to their kids because they didn't think they had to, number one. There was a role model to, to fulfill as long as they thought they were being a good father or a good mother. They didn't have to go into uh, really you know, talking about uh, what's going on with their son, how do they feel, what's going on in their head, having these discussions with them, maybe revealing something about themselves. Maybe later on relying on their children to talk to about themselves, about, you know, their inner feelings. Uh, it's, 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 it's something I wanted later on in life. I wanted my mother to confide in me and, and I can confide in her and feel that we were now not just mother and son, but we were almost like equals adults that we could tell each other things. And, and I didn't find that happening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had well. I my mother was able to. My mother was very open with her feelings and emotions. She couldn't hide it. My father did. My father um, didn't show very much emotion. Hide and buried a lot of his feelings. Although he did confide in me in certain about certain things in in his past, but he. You know, he didn't. He never got as emotional about things as, as my mother did. No, but even ever. though your mother, even though your mother got emotional, you said that you were you we weren't able to comfort her. No, I was. I felt helpless to to do anything to comfort her when she was in in you know crying like very hurt and crying and crying and crying because my father at times was very tough. He was very critical with my mother and with us i felt with with me my relationship with him and this is how it was now, would, your, his, would your you know, would your mother allow herself to be comforted by you probably what I, I i didn't i felt helpless to to do anything to comfort her and i didn't know what to say i didn't know how, I didn't know how to do it but yeah probably she would have she would have been you know, when my mother was uh, getting chemo, but she would, you know, she would get chemo for that particular day and then she would come home later in the day, which I advised her against because she was very weak. Uh, 
when she came back and she had to recover, she was getting visits by nurses from the CLSC the next days to get her white blood count up. But the point was that uh, I would take her out, you know, in my car. Uh, and uh, mm. thank God this is before quarantine because God forbid it should happen now and I wouldn't have been able to do it. But I was able to take her in my car out for outings. And at one point I said, don't worry about me, mom. Uh, life has taught me how to be strong and I am strong. So I, you know, I, and she did. I, I have to be strong by default. You know what I mean? Because I am strong in a way. I mean, it's, 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 it's draining, very draining to be this strong. But uh, I'm able to be strong because I had to look out for myself for many, many things. And also because she was protective of me. So she gave me the, the, the breathing space uh, to be strong, you know, and I appreciate that with her. And I'll tell you something, because, uh, you know, we're going to end this very shortly because I got to do something else. But I know that through your psychic institute and you are a psychic person, we were talking about this before the podcast. Yeah. You yeah. felt uh, you still feel like I do, but you feel the presence of your mother. Yeah, she comes to me most vividly and I should say, I could say ominously through dreams in, in that dimension, that fourth, because it's the fourth dimension. When you're in dream state, it's the fourth dimension of consciousness. So she comes through very clearly, vividly, um, and lucidly there in that dimension. I feel more like outside of that, like in the third dimension, you know, in the day to day, um, it's more like on a subtle level, it's, it's much more subtle. It's just feeling, um, I'm not always really that much connected with it, but it's a feeling that on some level, maybe on an unconscious level, I know she's, she, her energy is there. I've, I've tapped into her energy or she's connected to my energy. I connect with her and she's there with me. Yeah. Well, I've consulted you on connecting with my mother because you're part of the Truth Path Institute, you and, and Judy. You run the Truth Path. Path. Yeah. Yeah, the True Life Path Institute, True True Life Life Path Path. Institute in Montreal. Yeah. And uh, but I've come to you and you've been gracious enough to do it on a few occasions with me to contact yeah. my mother. Uh, yeah. And and you, the feedback I got was um, you told me at the time, uh, I, two years ago, that uh, Mark, the message to me uh, from my mother was Mark you see the way everybody has treated you in the past whether it's family or uh, you know immediate family or greater family or, or, or so called friends that I had or next wife she said the way people treated you you do the opposite <laughs> right you remember telling me that yeah yeah well, because well, of course you do the opposite. You're, you're the complete opposite character of these people who, who are who mistreat you. Yeah, you know? and, and, and you and you said it's all ego, and people, even though uh, I try to uh, once in a blue moon make an occasional case of understanding with these these people, and I said to you, uh, well. You tell me they realize it now because some of them have passed on and they're up there with my mother. 
And you said, I said, why couldn't they understand? I mean, I, I made my case to them. They said, you said to me, it's because ego blocks everything here on earth. And when you go yeah. up there, there's the ego is not the way we think of it anymore. The ego here, you can talk to somebody till you're blue in the face here on earth right now. And for some reason, they're not receptive or they don't want to be receptive to what you're saying or they can do without what you're saying or whatever, or they treat you badly or they treat you, you know, miserably. And it's all ego, right? Mm -hmm. It's all ego. And and, and that's yeah, the message you get. Yeah, because, well, well, I mean, you know, yeah. because we're in the third dimension because we're only connect, you know, people, especially people who can only connect in the within the context of the third dimension and they don't go higher than that they don't go in the fourth dimension or fifth dimension or any higher dimensions and this is how they define themselves to be um for better or worse this is this is just how they are but without the body when we're free in the spirit and the soul is you're beyond any kinds of pain and suffering or, or physical feelings is um you're in a field of completely totally different higher awareness so yeah. well my mother was an angel on earth i believe she had that awareness she didn't yeah. have to go to heaven yeah. to get that awareness she was an exception yeah. to the rule in our family she was uh, yeah. a, a real person she was a mensch which means a very good person and she had deep understanding. yeah same like yeah. Yeah, that same commonality with my mother. That's why she was admired and respected by everyone in her family and friends that we had, friends of the family, family friends. She was very high regard. My mother uh, always took the higher ground in things rather than be spiteful like I am <laughs> in a way, not totally, uh, uh, or anger. She always took the higher ground. She was a lady. She was a lady and a, a respectful lady. I always showed yeah. the good side. Same. My mother too. My mother, my mother, it was, you would have to go to great lengths. You would have to get on her bad side. You, you would have to go to such a horrible extreme lengths to get on her bad side to, to, to like bring out like the worst in her. To, to bring out her temper or, or some disparaging remarks it, you'd have it would have to be like go to such lengths like that you know to really you know and if you and if you if you got her uh, anger or you got her fury um is because this is it you you coaxed it out of her this is what you deserve and and that was that and you know <laughs> but other than that she was so so indulgent and patience with, with people and, and giving so giving and, and uh, accepting and loving of everyone it was a remarkable thing it looks like uh, we had the same type of mother and we were blessed to have those mothers in our lives and 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 in yeah. ending and then ending uh, jeffrey i want to say that uh, thank you for inviting me uh, on your show uh it was uh, a real a real uh, freilach. It was a real nice way of remembering yeah. moms and and maybe mothers out there in general who who really cared cared for their kids and sacrificed for their kids, and who were good people in spite of all the pressures, in spite of all the sacrifices they made. Yeah. I wish them also a happy Mother's Day, 
and it was great talking to you and yeah. I hope you'll invite me once in a blue moon to, to your place so I can have some foodies cooking <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. all right Jeff okay that's a lot okay then Me okay too. okay